Don't look now, but your boy's on a 60% heater against the spread over the last three weeks, and I'm coming off a week where I had a massive pool-winning performance picking the game straight up. Who's heating up? I'm heating up. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week eight of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2021 NFL regular season and postseason. And yeah, definitely heating up around these parts. A massive 11 and 2 week picking the game straight up. In week seven, 63 and 44 now straight up on the season, recklessly approaching that 60% correct picking the game straight up, which is our first milestone on our way to even higher than that 65. Who knows 70? Maybe we'll get to 100% somehow, even though that's not mathematically possible, but a boy can dream. Eight and five against the spread last week as well. That's my third straight winning week against the spread. And like I say, on a 60.5% heater, and I have to consider that a heater against the spread that is well inside of money-making territory over the last three weeks. If you've been tailing the against the spread plays the last three weeks, you've done rather well for yourself and you are welcome. Eight and five has me still five games under 500 against the spread on the year. And the totals, well, you know, we're not talking quite as glowingly about the totals. Only four and nine last week, which has almost come to be expected on the totals. And again, I'm still debating with myself whether to even continue making over under picks, but they're going to continue at least for the time being. Definitely a struggle this year at 47 and 60. We look at the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. Four and zero straight up once again last week. Even money against the spread at two and two, with Arizona covering minus 17 and. And Detroit covering plus 15 and a half as a dog. Only one and three on the totals. The only one I got was under 47 in the Tampa Chicago game, which again, probably you should come to expect when it comes to my total plays. But as I mentioned off the top, very exciting times in my pick'em pools. The Bridgewater's Finest straight up pick'em pool. I'm in 22nd place, 575 out of 876 confidence points. It's over 65%. Pulled in 79 of 91 last week. That's 86.8%. And that was good enough to win week seven in the Bridgewater's Finest pool. My first pool victory of the year, 11 and two straight up, 86 0.8% of the confidence points. Fourth and Ridiculous remains the overall leader in that pool. 71 and 36 straight up. A massive season so far on the year. 675 of 876 confidence points. It's a clip of over 77%. Probably not sustainable season long, but as of right now, we're like almost at the halfway point of the year. It's pretty pretty big performance for them this year. In the Half Moons Picks Against the Spread Pool, I moved up to 45th out of 100, 405 confidence points, it's 46.2% on the year, same number of points, 876 on the table, only brought in 54 of 91 last week despite going 8 and 5 against the spread, it was just under 60% of the available confidence points. Shout out to Big Ant NJ in New Jersey, clearly, 87 of 91 confidence points brought in last week. I think they went 11 and 2 against the spread, which is really massive. That's 95.6% of the available confidence points. Was not enough to topple Moby Polito as the overall leader still in the half moons pool. 546 out of 876 confidence points. It's a clip of just over 62%. They are still leading the way. I believe their lead shrunk from last week but still enough to be out front. 
and in the ante and co-pick'em pool where I've been close to the bottom of the barrel all season, starting the season so slowly, picking the game straight up. I'm starting to climb now. I'm getting into that territory where a really good week actually has me moving up the standings. 18th of 22, but now my 63 straight up wins again represents 58.9% of the games picked correctly straight up. 11 for 13 last week, 84.6%. And that was enough to win week seven, going 11 and two. So I won the week in the Ante and Co. straight up pick'em pool. The Cat repping the Pacific Northwest, remaining the overall leader, picking 71% of the games correctly so far this year, 76 of 107 games. That's where I would like to be. That's very much where I would like to be. Let's see if we can't keep building towards that as the season progresses. We might not get to 70%. 65, I think, is pretty realistic. And I rebounded in the Ante and Co. survival pool after getting my first strike of the year with Carolina two weeks ago. I went with the Bucks this week and obviously a very comfortable win for the Bucks, 38-3. So we're back on course. 15 of 19 left in that survival pool. Nine teams, including myself, with one strike. So only six teams of the original 19 are still sitting with perfect records. I wish I was one of them, but let's keep applying the pressure. Keep picking these games correctly. Let's see who falls next. And the good news just keeps on coming as we take a peek here into Fantasy Corner, which is of course presented by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. My affiliate link is in the description below to this video and on SoundCloud and iTunes and wherever you get the podcast. You can find my affiliate link, my referral link to gain access to the Dynasty Trade Calculator for as little as $3. One of the absolute best resources available to you online for Dynasty Keeper and long-term fantasy football does not matter the configuration of your league. You could do a tight end premium. You could do super flex. I tell you about it every single week. I'm surprised more of you are not taking advantage of it. The Dynasty Trade Calculator, they've got rankings, trade evaluations, podcasts, all kinds of great stuff. Some of the best experts available in long-term fantasy football you're going to find on the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Again, access for as little as $3 to an incredible and invaluable championship-winning tool for long-term fantasy football. My first perfect week of the season, I believe, 6-0 and oh straight up in my six fantasy football leagues. God, does that ever feel incredible. My teams have been on a steady incline after starting the season like 1-5 and five and 2-4. and four. The early weeks just were not kind to me at all. But boy, we have progressed to this point where all of my teams were winners in week 7. Best ball, 5th place, and 6th place respectively in my best ball leagues. So I feel like we're doing okay there. Hopefully more room to improve. Picked up the win in the Professionals Dynasty against Gavin. That moves me to 5-2 and two after dropping my second game of the season in the previous week. And in the Progs League, a matchup I did not expect to win against the Bad Luck Cats. I moved to 2-5 and five and... You know, I'm not dead yet. Even at two and five, six teams go to the playoffs in that league. I'm not dead yet for that like sixth playoff spot, which is kind of the position I was in most of the year last year because Lamar Jackson just kind of struggled. I don't think I made good roster decisions. I'm in the process. I've already traded one running back. I may be in the process of trading another. I have a ton of depth at the position trying to get better trying to make a push for the playoffs. In week eight, I've got matchups against Tim's crazy team in the professionals league. That is a projected win for yours truly. And a matchup against Bone Crushers, who I believe is like six and one on the season. One of the best, if not the best teams in the league. I'm going to call that one too close to call because right now I'm projected to win, but I don't think they've looked at their roster yet at all for this week. They may have buy situations. Who knows? I'm going to call it too close to call, but whether you're the best team in the league or the worst team in the league, I'm going to give you a fight. And I'm going to take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you can get all of my results, my excellent results actually from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week eight in the NFL, information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest, Half Moons, or Anti and Cope straight up pick'em pools. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page and information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. 
Folks, nerdtease.ca is where you need to go, especially as we careen ever closer, recklessly closer to the Christmas and holiday season. Nerdtease.ca for dozens and dozens of incredible tea blends and accessories for that hard-to-buy-for person in your life. And a blend like I'm drinking this afternoon, this morning, which is white truffle, a delicious dessert tea that smells like a bakery and tastes incredible. Go to nerdtease.ca and use my promo code, which is BWFinest. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks, which is an excellent value. And you get a great conversion rate on the US dollar. Again, dozens of incredible tea blends. I'm going to be making myself a big old order in the not too distant future because I'm running low on pretty well every blend that I have and have talked about. I'm going to go to nerdtease.ca. I'm going to use that promo code. I'm going to get my free shipping. Find yourself something to love, folks, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtease.ca. Only the Ravens and Raiders sit with a bye week in week eight. So we got 15 games on tap. But folks, you know what never takes a week off? The rule of four. And I know that the blind Canadian cat is rolling his eyes right now. The rule of four, now a sparkling 7-0 on the year. This made me sweat the last couple of weeks. Three straight weeks, it's only been exactly four betting underdogs winning their game straight up. But 7-0 is 7-0 no matter how you slice it. The rule of four is on fire. Let's see if that continues in week eight. An incredible, like... What is it, 21 and 3 heater since the beginning of last year? So the rule of four is here and it is spectacular. We're going to kick things off in Atlanta, not with the early game this week. In Atlanta, where the Falcons are going to play host to the Carolina Panthers, a team that is for sure going in the wrong direction in Carolina. I want to take a second and talk about Matt Rule, and I put this on Twitter a little bit earlier because I saw Matt Rule after the game last week where they lost 25-3 to bafflingly to a New York Giants team that didn't have Saquon Barkley, didn't have Kadarius Toney, I don't think had Kenny Galladay either, so it's the Giants with a bunch of practice squad wide receivers. And they beat him 25 to 3, like not a competitive game. And Matt Rule came out and he said, well, you know, we really needed more from the run game. I'm sorry? You need a better run game to beat Daniel Jones and a bunch of practice squad wide receivers. Like, the more I hear from Matt Rule, the more I'm not sure that he knows what he's doing. Because just last week he was talking about, we have to redefine our whole offense. First of all, the second Christian McCaffrey is back on that football field, that's going to go out the window because you know what your offense is. You know it runs through 25 touches a game to Christian McCaffrey. It's why he gets injured all the time. So that's going to go clean out the window. So that that's just blah, blah, blah. That's just lip service. But then he says something like that. And it's like, look, redefining your whole offense is kind of an off-season thing, dude. It's kind of not something you do smack dab in the middle of a season. And again... Uh, to say you needed more of a run game to avoid losing by 22 to the Giants is ridiculous. The previous two weeks, Chuba Hubbard went 40 carries for 162 yards and a touchdown. Carolina lost both of those games. So did you need more of a run game there? Or are you just looking for a scapegoat? Because immediately after that, you say, well, we didn't really coach up Sam Darnold enough. Well, like that's your jo- that's your title. That's your job, man. So it, it to to use the run game as a scapegoat there just really annoyed me. Not just as a fan of Chuba Hubbard, and no, he didn't have the greatest game on the ground. But he's coming off of two really good football games. So then to sit there and say, well, you know, we needed more from the run game. Like piss up a rope, Matt Rule. That's that that was nuts to me. Maybe you could have said something like, hey, maybe we shouldn't take so many penalties. Hey, maybe we should control the ball a little bit better and not have so many giveaways and not generating nearly enough takeaways, despite the fact that we're a really good total defense. We're just not generating the takeaways that go along with that. There's all kinds of things that you could have said other than, boy, you know, we really needed more out of the run game. It's just aggravating to me. Anyway, they got a division game here where they got to go to Atlanta, tail end of back-to-back road games, play a division rival that is one of the least penalized teams in football. Obviously, I'm going with the Falcons here. I thought they 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 didn't look great last week, but they pulled it out. They won the game 
They kicked that field goal, won it like, what, 30 to 28, I think it was. So it was imperfect for sure, but they got the job done at the very least. I think they get the job done here again. I'm on Atlanta at home to beat the Panthers. On the line, Atlanta laying two and a half points as a home favorite. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay the two and a half points along with them. Total in the game set at 46. So these are teams, again, even on the totals, going in completely different directions. The Panthers have only hit two overs in seven games. The Falcons have hit four overs in six. So I really, I don't think there's a great way to go with this one way or the other. I just don't trust the Panthers offense right now with the way Sam Darnold looked last week against a, an okay defense. Like they're kind of pedestrian. They're not an elite defense. Atlanta certainly is not an elite defense, but I think they're playing a little bit better lately, but uh, I think I got to stay under on it because I just plain don't know what I'm going to get from Carolina offensively. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback for Carolina in this game. Yeah, Matt Rule recommitted to Sam Darnold as our quarterback moving forward, but we know how far those words go. So I'm going to stick under 46 in Carolina, Atlanta. Let's go Falcons 23, Panthers 16. Let's go to Chicago now, Bears and Niners. Uh, Bears obviously got embarrassed last week by Tampa Bay to the tune of 38-3. to It was my platinum pick. Uh, they could not cover plus 13.5 against the spread. Uh, it was just a bad week. So much so that it looked like the Bucks had Justin Fields crying on the sideline. Um, look, a lot of people get the you-know-what kicked out of them playing the Bucks, So I don't think, uh, I hope Fields didn't take that game too personally. It kind of happens to a lot of people. The Niners are an interesting case to me because most people, I think, had them beating the Colts last week. I didn't. And the Colts paid me off for that generosity with a big win in a, a rainy, insane Sunday night game that originally looked like, man, when the Niners were leading the game, I think like 12 to seven, I was like, there might not be another point scored in this game. Now, obviously there were, uh, I went to bed. So, so I didn't, I didn't get to see it, but the Niners were a really interesting team to me because they started the season two and oh, they look decent. Now losers of four straight games and not looking good while they're doing it. As far as I'm concerned. And they got an injury concern. The first injury concern we're going to talk about here this week, it's in their secondary safety, Jaquiski Tart, who has been a player that's been on my radar for a couple of years because my Dynasty League uses individual defensive players. Jaquiski Tart was one of my early uh, IDP adopters, and he, he's played very well. He's a very good a very good player in that secondary. He's got a knee injury. He's going to be out a few weeks and they're replacing him with a rookie. So it'll be really interesting to see how that pass game, the pass defense for the Niners reacts to not having a fairly significant piece to it in that secondary. Bears are losers of two straight. Before that point, they were three and two. They were above 500. The Bears have not been a bad football team to me this year at all. And in general, I think I would take the Bears in, you know, if, if you put the Bears and the Niners up against similar competition, I think I'd lean on the Bears defensively, uh, certainly lately. So I think I'm going to lean on the Bears in this game. They're the home dog, which certainly helps things out. The Niners, one of the worst ball control teams in the NFL. So I think I'm going to lean on the Bears here. Let's take Chicago at home to get the win over the Niners. On the line, the Bears are three and a half point dogs. So again, that kind of leans into it. I'm going to take them to win outright. The Niners have only covered once against the spread this year in six games. So let's go ahead and take the three and a half points on Chicago. This feels like a hedge one way or the other. Total in the game set at 39 and a half points. It's the lowest total of the week, but I'm still going to stick under on it. The Bears have only hit one over this year, and they've had some low numbers. I do not see a ton of points in this game. I think it's relatively close to this number, but I do think it sticks under 39 and a half points. In Chicago, San Francisco, Bears 17, Niners 16. Chicago's defense gets this win. Let's go to Cleveland now. Browns and Steelers. Steelers having the benefit of the bye last week, so they're coming in well-rested. Cleveland also relatively well-rested. They've had the long week this week, having played on Thursday night. 
The Thursday night game was a 17-14 win against the Denver Broncos in a game that, oh my gosh, hello, Dernis Johnson. Dernis Johnson stepping in after the dual injuries to Chubb that he's been dealing with for a few weeks and then Kareem Hunt from the week before. Dernis Johnson steps in and has a massive football game, running and catching the ball. And chances are he'll play a pretty significant part in this game as well. Even if Chubb comes back, and I mean, everybody's been talking about it. Kareem Hunt has shown that the quote-unquote backup running back in this offense has a ton of value. I think he will still be an important piece moving forward until Kareem Hunt is ready to come back. Pittsburgh, again, they're on the bye this week. This obviously being a division game in the AFC North. Steelers sitting at three and three. Browns sitting at four and three. Pittsburgh's kind of turned things around here. Winners of two straight games. Cleveland does have the uh, little bit of penalty issue so far this year. One of the more penalized teams in the NFL. This was like there were, this is one of the tougher games for me this week because I genuinely think one team is better than the other, but the team that I think is better than the other has some things going against it that really makes me worry. And obviously it's a division game and anything can happen. Ultimately, I think I'm going to lean on the team that I genuinely believe is better, and they happen to be the team that's playing at home. So I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns here, understanding that this is an absolute coin flip game. I can't blame you no matter which way you decide to go on this one. I'm going to go with Cleveland at home to beat Pittsburgh. On the line, the Browns are laying three and a half points as a home favorite. I'm going to go ahead and lay those points as well. The Steelers only two and four against the spread this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to lay the three and a half because yes, it's the extra half point and it's a division game. So maybe that winds up being a bad play, but I'm going to go ahead and lay the points and see what happens. Total in the game set at 42 and a half points, a very low number. Pittsburgh has only hit one over this year in six games, but that's such a low number. I think this is going to be a play on the number. I think this goes over probably with the last scoring play of the game. So we're going to go ahead and take over 42 and a half points in Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Let's go Browns 24, Steelers 20. Doesn't that just reek of a game I'm going to go 0-3 on? See you boys realistic sometimes. Let's go to Detroit, a battle of two of the most penalized teams in the NFL, that being the Detroit Lions playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. Detroit still looking for its first win on the season, sitting lowly at the bottom 0-7 with the inside track, obviously to the first overall pick. The Eagles not faring a ton better. I mean, they're only at two and five. They are losers of, I believe, two straight games. Looked competitive against the Bucks two weeks ago, then a double-digit loss to the Raiders this past week. The Eagles not looking great. They're on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games here. And Miles Sanders. That's a big loss for them. He injured his ankle last week, carted to the locker room, is currently considered as week to week. So chances are one of their bigger, the biggest pieces of their offense not going to be playing in this game. I think Detroit gets their first win. I really do. Uh, not that I was crazy impressed with the game against the Rams, but they covered that thing against the spread. They could have gotten blown out by like 40 points. They didn't. They stuck with a really good football team, covered it against the spread. A lot of that game was competitive. If they can chain that together and have a similar performance, that's going to be enough to beat Philly. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Lions at home to get their first win of the year. Lions over the Eagles. On the line, Detroit taking three points as a home dog. I like them to win outright, so I will also take the three points. Totaling the game set at 48. Lions are only two and five to the over this year. You're without one of your biggest offensive pieces if you're the Eagles. Let's stick under that number, under 48 points in Philadelphia, Detroit. Let's go Detroit 21, Philly 20. Single point win for the Detroit Lions. And in a game like this, how poetic would it be if Philly scores the touchdown that looks like it's going to tie the game and then miss the extra point. Let's go to Indianapolis now, a battle of the AFC South Colts 
and Titans. Indianapolis starting the season obviously very poorly. They've reeled off back-to-back wins in which they've looked pretty darn decent, so they may very well have figured it out. Titans leading this division at 5-2, and two, winners of three straight games. This Titans team has turned a corner. They're a very good football team. But in the last couple of games, the Indianapolis Colts are back to what I love about the Indianapolis Colts. Very careful with the football. One of the best, if not the best, ball control team in the NFL. One of the least penalized teams in the NFL. This is a Colts team that does not tend to shoot themselves in the foot. They are like me at the blackjack table. They're going to force the dealer to beat them. They're going to force the other guy to make the plays to beat them. And that's a team that can find a lot of success in this league because there are plenty of teams that are more than willing to shoot themselves in the foot. To me, they showed grit coming from behind and coming up with that victory in San Francisco in unbelievably bad conditions. I was really impressed by that when I woke up and was like, oh my God, they put up 30 points. That's crazy. I think this is a Colts team that, like the Titans, has turned the corner and is pulling in the right direction. I'm going to take the Colts here as a very, very, very slight home upset. I'm going to take Indianapolis in Indianapolis to beat Tennessee, despite how impressed I've been with the Titans over the last few weeks. Like I mentioned, Colts are only a single point dog against the spread. I like them to win outright, so give me the single point. This is one of those ones where I really can't blame you no matter which way you go on it, but I'll take the point. Total in the game set at 49 points. I think this is an AFC South shootout. We're going to go over 49 points in Tennessee, Indianapolis. Let's go Colts 34, Titans 27. Between these two teams, there is one defense that I trust to make the play at the end of the game to win it. That is the Colts, whose defense is playing incredibly well lately. Titans have been playing better than normal, but they've also got the benefit of the fact that KC somehow only scored three points on them last week. Let's go to Houston now. Texans playing host to the LA Rams. I'm taking the Rams straight up. They're one of the better ball control teams in the league, one of the least penalized teams in the league. Houston's one of the most penalized teams in the league, and they remain the Houston Texans. So Rams are going to win the game straight up. Against the spread, the Rams are laying 14 and a half points as a road favorite. I am also going to lay the 14 and a half points as the road favorite. I have this as like a four possession game. Let's be perfectly honest. I think this is minimum three touchdowns, if not more. So I've got no problem laying 14 and a half. I think they're going to cover that number fairly comfortably. Total in the game set at 48 points, and if there's any Texans fans listening to this, I I apologize for not taking a lot of time on this game, but let's be honest. Totally the game is 48. I'm going to stick under on it because I have no idea what I'm going to get from the Texans offense. Under 48 points in Rams Texans. Let's go LA 37, Houston 10. Sticking with the LA theme here, we've got the Chargers coming in off of their bye week well rested, playing host to a New England Patriots team that is coming off of an absolute demolition of the New York Jets. I mean, considering the opposition and considering that Zach Wilson got hurt, I think, in the second quarter, I don't know how much credit you really want to give the Patriots for a, what was it, 54-13 to win. You know, the Jets looked, the Jets had nothing, especially after that injury happened. That was just like, you could just see they're not a mentally strong franchise because they haven't seen a lot of success lately. So... Once that happened, you could just see any momentum that they, or any motivation that they had just kind of bloop, and it just kind of drained out of them. So, I mean, I don't know how much credit I really want to give to this Patriots team. They looked good. They executed. Their defense looked incredible. But again, look at the opposition that they were against, the backup quarterback, and it's the Jets. Meanwhile, especially in the last month, the Chargers are battle-tested. That win against the Chiefs, win against the Raiders, that that comeback win against the Browns, that 47-42 game. Yeah, they got blown out by the Ravens in their game just ahead of their bye. Maybe they were looking ahead to the bye. Maybe the Ravens are just a really good football team. You know, I genuinely, the Chargers are definitely the better of these two football teams. They definitely have the better quarterback. They definitely have the better offensive weapons. 
I'll give you that the Patriots defense is probably better. And they've certainly been playing better lately, but I think there's more leaning on the Chargers side of the ledger. That's the way I'm going to go. And given that they're at home, let's take the Chargers at home to beat the Patriots. However, against the spread, the Chargers are laying five and a half points. This is a closer game to me than that. I'm going to take the points on the better defense. So I'm going to take the Patriots plus five and a half. And this is going against the fact that the Chargers are four and two against the spread this year. So they've been more reliable than normal. Because again, everybody knows I, I have my issues with the LA Chargers. But more reliable than normal, I'm still going to take the points on the Patriots. New England could very well win this game outright. Total in the game set at 49 points. This is actually one that I changed because I originally had this as an over, but the two teams have only hit four of 13 overs all year. So I've actually changed my, my perspective on this game. I'm going to go under on this one by a couple of points. Under 49 in New England, Los Angeles. Let's take Chargers 24, Patriots 21. Patriots defense keeps this close. Chargers still get the dub. Let's go to Seattle now. Seahawks with the uh, detriment of the short week, having just played last night in a losing effort against the Saints, playing host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Coming off of their bye, so they will at least be well-rested. One of the worst ball control teams, obviously, in the NFL. A lot of turnovers from them this year. They are, however, relatively disciplined. Have not taken a ton of penalties this year, so that's definitely a benefit to them too. So when you're the Seahawks... You're obviously dealing with, uh, you know, okay, Russell Wilson is still going to be out for a couple of weeks, although apparently he gets the pin removed from his finger at some point this week, so that's always a good sign. That feels a little early to me, but if it's safe, it's safe. Look, you got Geno Smith. You're going into a game against a really good team in the Saints. At the very least, you get to play at home, which they get to do this week as well. They start off really well. Uh, like an 82-yard touchdown pass, I think, to DK Metcalf. So like, okay, cool, Seahawks are rolling. They scored three points for the rest of the game. I realize you don't have Chris Carson either. There are chunks of this team that are not playing, and significant chunks. But I can't say I was impressed with either team last night. We'll talk about the Saints here, actually, the very next game. But I wasn't really impressed with either team. Not that I'm crazy impressed with Jacksonville lately either. But look, they did get their first win, and that was at least something. Now on extra rest, yeah, you got to basically cross the country from Jacksonville up to Seattle. Team that plays very well at home. Wasn't overly impressed with how they played at home last week. I don't know if they're getting Chris Carson back or not. I'm actually going to take the Jags here. I genuinely think this is an upset. It smells like upset to me. I'm, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road in Seattle. Jags get back-to-back -back wins. Jacksonville beats Seattle. On the line, Jags are taking three and a half points as the road dog. I like them to win outright, and this is going against the fact that the Jags are only two and four against the spread this year, but I'm going to take them because I like them to win outright. Total in the game set at 44 points. I'm going against the fact that these two teams have only hit three of 13 overs this year. This is a play on the number, but I feel it goes over probably by a touchdown. So we're going to go over 44 points in Seattle, Jacksonville. Let's go Jags 27, Seahawks 24. Speaking of New Orleans, let's go to New Orleans now. The Saints on the short week playing host to a division rival, Tampa Bay, obviously a huge matchup between these two teams. Two of the best ball control teams in the NFL to this point in the season. Tampa Bay has gotten themselves into some penalty trouble this year. Can't say the same for the Saints, one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. Obviously, division game, anything can happen. But once again, outside of Alvin Kamara... I really didn't see too much special about this Saints offense. Their defense is really good, playing a backup quarterback and a backup running back. But still, their defense is still really good. I, the Bucs are just on another level right now. The Bucs, they don't care how they get it done. It's just, it's just like the Patriots. It turns out maybe the key ingredient is Tom Brady because they'll, they'll, just, they'll go to whoever they have to go to to get the job done. And I can't say the same about the Saints. The Saints have a relatively specific formula for winning football games. And if the Bucs take that away, 
then they're really going to struggle to win football games. I don't think they're going to win this game. Let's take Tampa Bay on the road in New Orleans division game. Tampa gets the win. On the line, the Saints are four and a half point dog at home, but I'm going to lay the points on Tampa Bay. I think this could potentially be a two possession game. So I'm going to go ahead and just lay the four and a half because it feels like it's the number that's going to hit. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. Saints have only hit two of six overs this year. The Bucks are not exactly over machines either. I think I'm going to stick under on this number, under 50 and a half points in Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Let's go Bucks 28, Saints 20. Let's go to Minnesota now. Vikings coming fresh off of their bye week, taking on another team coming fresh off their bye week, that being the Dallas Cowboys, the only undefeated against the spread team in the NFL so far this year, the Dallas Cowboys at 6-0 and against the spread. So again, obviously both of these teams are going to be well-rested. Dallas taking some penalties. I think they're one of the, I think they might be the most penalized team in the NFL to this point. They make up for that in the fact that they do not give up the football. Incredibly up, up there as being the best, one of the best ball control teams in the NFL this year. They simply do not give the ball away and they generate a significant number of turnovers on defense, led of course by Trayvon Diggs, but it's not just Trayvon Diggs. So when you're looking at two teams, both very good offenses, obviously, you try you start to look at little things. You start to look at, okay, which team is more likely to make that mistake? Which team is more likely to make that second mistake, that third mistake that winds up being the difference? To me, that's the Minnesota Vikings. So I think I'm going to have to go with Dallas here on the road. They are road favorites, so I did consider leaning on the Vikings, but we're going to go with Dallas here. I think they're genuinely the better football team. The Cowboys are for real. They are a Super Bowl contender. Let's take Dallas in Minnesota to beat the Vikes. On the line, Dallas laying two and a half points as a road favorite. Like I mentioned, they're unbeaten against the spread this year. That's a small price to pay. Let's lay the two and a half on Dallas. Total in the game set at 54 and a half points. I believe that is the highest total of this week. Dallas has hit five of six overs this year. Vikings like to score them some points. Let's go over 54 and a half and not think too much more about it. In Dallas, Minnesota, we're going to go Cowboys 41, Vikings 34. And the last game we're going to look at is the Kansas City Chiefs at home playing host to the New York Giants. Can somebody figure out where the Kansas City Chiefs went, please? Again, it's mind-blowing to me how bad the Chiefs have been this year at protecting the football. Mahomes throwing up interceptions like it's Halloween candy. Like, it's, it's crazy to me. But let me ask you a question. Over the last four games, respectively, so the last four games for the Chiefs and last four games for the Giants, who do you think is playing better? I'll give you a second to think about it. I would make the argument that it is the Chiefs, but it's marginal. Like over their last four games, both of these defenses are giving up 27 points a game. Each one of them has had like one good performance in there. The offenses, Kansas City's offense has been better, but they're coming off a game where they just scored three points. This game is way closer than the books are giving it credit for and how most people are giving it credit for. You're looking at a Giants team that's probably going to get Saquon back, probably going to get Kadarius Toney back, might get Kenny Galladay back. This could be a Giants team that is arguably at full strength for the first time in weeks. This game's a lot closer than most people are considering it. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win because, my God, if you can't beat the Giants, like, pack it up. So yeah, I'm definitely on the Chiefs to win, but again, this is not a, a this is not the blowout that most people are making it out to be. On the line, the Chiefs are laying 10 points at home. Anybody that lays those 10 points on Kansas City in this game is out of their mind, period. You cannot with as bad as this Chiefs defense is, just is, not has been lately, is to lay 10 points on them against Anybody in this league is ridiculous because they can't stop anybody. I feel like I'm having my Stephen A. Smith moment. They can't stop anybody. They cannot stop anybody. There are CFL teams and middling CFL teams at that who would put up 30 points on the Chiefs, much less a good team like Winnipeg. 
this Chiefs defense is abominable. The Giants will score points. So 10 points, especially where the Chiefs are only 2-5 and five against the spread, the Giants are covering plus 10. Total in the game set at 52, and my God, how could you not go over on this? Because neither defense is great, and the offenses should be able to score points almost at will. So we're going to go over 52 points in the Giants and the Chiefs. Let's go 28-27 Kansas City. Let's give them a scare, and maybe that makes them figure the friggin' thing out, because I, I can't believe this Chiefs team is this bad. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week eight in the NFL. We're going to start with the bronze pick, which suffered its first against the spread loss of the year in week seven. Oh, my heart just hurts not seeing that as a perfect record. But the Saints, the friggin' Saints couldn't cover minus five against the Seattle's backup quarterback and backup, backup running back. This, oh, God, unbelievable. Anyway. 7-0 straight up, 6-1 against the spread, and 4-3 and on the total. So this is still the pick that is very much paying off the most this year. This sees the Arizona Cardinals at home taking on my Green Bay Packers. Now, this should be the marquee game of the week. But given the news that just came out in the last day or so, I think you'd be hard-pressed with what you're likely going to see on the field to call this the marquee game of the week. Big problem here is the Packers have a little bit of a COVID situation going on through their locker room. Their defensive coordinator tested positive, so he likely, he will not be coaching, I don't think, in this game. And Devontae Adams pops a positive COVID test, so he's in protocol. And here's what this means in case you don't know. I'm sure it's been said a million times at this point, but for players who are fully vaccinated, you have to produce two negative COVID tests at least 24 hours apart. So to try to do that and play a game on Thursday, I think is going to be exceptionally difficult. So I'm not banking on the Packers having Devontae Adams in this game, which is boy of any game on your schedule this year, this would be the one that you would want Devontae Adams for. Even though Arizona gets in a little bit of penalty trouble, actually quite a lot of penalty trouble sometimes, one of the best ball control teams in the league, like top two or three, the Packers are in that conversation as well. They control the ball very well. But man, if you don't have Devontae Adams and you have MVS who is still on injured reserve, I think, I think he's can come off this week, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's ready to play. You're talking about Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb going up against the Cardinals. Like, I just, uh, boy, I, I just don't think uh, the Packers have this kind of magic in them. In saying that, if they do, Packers win the Super Bowl. If the Packers win this game, I'm taking the Packers. I'm placing a futures bet because up to this point, I'm like, yeah, you know, the Packers are getting wins, but they're not getting, like, comfortable wins. Like, they're not really, like, dominant wins, but they're winning games, so I'm not going to argue with it because that's the name of the game. If they don't have Devontae Adams and beat the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona, I'm placing the futures bet Friday. I, however, am going to be on the Arizona Cardinals in this game. Let's take the cards at home to beat Green Bay. On the line, Arizona's laying six points as the home favorite. I'm going to lay the points as well. And the reason that I'm going to lay the points is... It's not because of the against the spread records, because I believe the against the spread records are the same in this matchup. I think both teams are like either six and one or five and two. It's because Arizona is beating the spread by nearly 12 points on average this year. So they've had some decent size favorite lines and still on average, they're beating the spread by almost 12 points. It's the best mark in the NFL in terms of performance against the spread. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the six points on Arizona. Total in the game set at 51 points. I do think this goes over Devontae Adams or not. We're going to go over 51 points in Green Bay, Arizona. Arizona straight up, we're hammering the cards minus six against the spread in a game that goes over 51 points. That is the bronze pick. Let's go Cardinals 31, Packers 23. But again, if Green Bay comes up with the win, Packers win the Super Bowl. 
My silver pick where I'm still 7-0 straight up this year, but only 3-4 both against the spread and over under, sees the Denver Broncos with the benefit of the long week at home playing host to the Washington football team. Washington, one of the worst, abjectly worst defenses in the NFL this year. Their offense has also hit a real dry spell. They're not scoring points. They're on the tail end of back-to-back road games where they're playing a team that is well-rested, having played on Thursday. So many things going against Washington in this game. So obviously I'm leaning on the Denver Broncos here. I like Denver to go and get this win against Washington, kind of try to get their season back on track. Hopefully soon enough they'll have Jerry Judy back which obviously makes a big difference in their offense. But we're going to take Denver to win this game relatively comfortably. Denver beats the football team. On the line, Denver's only laying three points against the spread. This is a two-possession game to me, and Washington's only covered one in seven games against the spread this year. So I'm going to very comfortably lay the three points on the Denver Broncos. Total in the game set at 43 and a half. This is a play on the number because the Broncos have only hit two overs so far this year in seven games. We're going to go ahead and take the over because again, boy, that Washington defense is terrible. So Denver straight up. We're going to hammer Denver minus three against the spread in a game that goes over 43 and a half points. That is the silver pick. Let's go Broncos 30, football team 20. My gold pick where I'm 6-1 straight up, 4-3 against the spread, only 2-5 on the total. So, yeesh, we got to start working on that. Sees the New York Jets at home playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the upstart surprise teams of this NFL season. The Bengals, a huge win that not a lot of people thought they were going to get. Yours truly did, but not a lot of people were on that bandwagon with me. The Bengals with a huge division win last week, and they sit atop the AFC North, and nobody, nobody would have predicted that through seven games. They're tied with the Ravens, but they get the tiebreaker because they just picked up that win against the Ravens, that domination of the Baltimore Ravens, sent them into their bye week reeling, and they're winners of two straight games. And they're playing the New York Jets, which are a bad football team that has injury problems, which makes it even worse. And the injury comes at the most critical position, that being the quarterback position. Zach Wilson, a sprained PCL. He's going to miss at least two weeks. More likely, he probably misses four. I think that might take the Jets past their bye. I can't remember when the Jets' bye week is now. But uh, look, he's going to be out for some time. So obviously, they're going to be dealing with the backup quarterback that threw, I think, 406 interceptions to the Patriots in that blowout last week. So obviously two teams on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum here. I wouldn't be shocked if there was some people taking this as the ups, like the upset play of the week. But look, Cincinnati's not a team that is making the mistakes that hurt themselves this year. One of the least penalized teams in the league. Obviously we're on the Bengals here to get a big win in New York. How big? On the line, the Bengals are laying nine and a half points as a road favorite. When's the last time you saw that? That's crazy. It's almost double digits. But given that I think that this is like a four possession game, and I don't think the Jets offense is going to do anything, I'm going to lay the nine and a half points on Cincinnati. The Jets have only covered once against the spread this year. I don't think they get number two this week. So we'll lay the nine and a half points. Total in the game set at 43 and a half points. The Bengals have only hit two overs this year. Their defense has been immaculate this year. So we're going to go under on this one. It's a low number, but under 43 and a half points in Cincinnati, New York. Bengals straight up. We're laying the nine and a half points on Cincinnati as the road favorite in a game that stays under 43 and a half points. That is my gold pick. Let's go Bengals 31, Jets... Let's give them a field goal. We'll give them three. And my platinum pick closes us off where I'm six and one straight up, three and four against the spread, but now four and three on the total. Sees the Buffalo Bills at home coming off of their bye week, playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Obviously a division matchup here. The Dolphins are in the heat of the Deshaun Watson trade conversation right along with the Carolina Panthers. So it'll be real interesting to see what happens there. A lot of people talking about a three-team trade being a possibility here. All kinds of interesting things as we head towards the trade deadline because that's coming up soon as well. 
Look, the Bills have been almost untouchable this year. They're going to be well-rested. They're one of the best ball control teams in the NFL. Miami gets in a ton of penalty trouble. And they're going to be missing one of the most important players in their secondary, that being safety Jason McCourty. He injured his foot. He's heading to injured reserve. He's going to be out a minimum of three weeks. So look, Miami, this is this is not happening. This is not happening for the Dolphins this week. I hate to break it to you. It's a division game and anything can happen. But uh, Miami's not getting this win. Buffalo is going to cruise over the Dolphins this week. On the line, Bills are laying 13.5 points as a home favorite. I have no problem laying those 13.5. This might be one of the biggest blowouts of the year. I've got this as like at least a five-possession game, if not more. Bills are covering against the spread uh, two out of every three games. Miami's only covered twice in seven games against the spread. Lay the 13.5. Totaling the game set at 48 points. I think Buffalo clears this on their own. So we're going to go over 48 points in Buffalo, Miami. Bills straight up. We're hammering the Bills minus 13 and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 48 points. That is the platinum pick. Buffalo, 49. Miami, three field goals. We'll give them nine points. There we go, folks. The picks are in for week eight. Let's continue our against the spread hot streak. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. And actually, before I do the comment of the week, by the way, my God, thank you guys for the, the, the outpouring in week seven. The week seven video, my most viewed video of the season, and that includes like week one when the season first started, which historically has always been my highest viewed video. That had actually, you know what? Week one is slightly ahead. That's a big uptick from the last couple of weeks. I genuinely appreciate almost 500 of you taking the time to watch an hour-long still photo of me flexing in a Green Bay shirt uh, while I talk for an hour incessantly about football. Might not seem special in the grand scheme of things. Trust me, it is. The comment of the week from the week seven episode has to go to my guy, the blind Canadian cat. And this is in part because his comment was really good. And because he immediately came back in after his comment was wound up, ended up being wrong. He came in and been like, all right, yeah, 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 you got me this week. And he's a Ravens fan. So that loss to Cincinnati last week obviously hurts a little extra. The blind Canadian cats comment from the week seven episode goes like this. I'm pretty sure this is the fourth straight week you've bet against the Ravens on these picks. In fact, it was the chargers game. I'll give you, but these other ones just feel like you're reaching for the rule of four. There's a reason I reach for that, because it is perfect. I'll let you off the hook for now, but I'm watching you. Good luck on the picks. I'd say good luck in fantasy, but I got two seasons. Uh, I got a season to save, sorry. So the cats are coming to town, and we're feline pretty good right meow. My response to that was, you're not wrong that I haven't picked the Ravens since week three when they were in Detroit, but genuinely, if I think the Ravens are shoe-ins to win a game, I'll take them as I would any other team. I go into why I didn't pick them the last few weeks. Uh, this week, I'll give you it's chasing a little bit, but it's also a product of how immensely impressed I am with Cincy. And again, I have been up to this point. I certainly didn't expect them to win that game last week as much as they did. But he came in 16 hours ago saying, I suppose this is where I come in and say, you got me this time. But that's why I love football. Anything can happen on any given Sunday. Very, very true. I also beat him in fantasy. So I'm, I'm tossing him a bone here. Yours is the comment of the week, the blind Canadian cat from the week seven episode. Week eight is now in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the games this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope we get, I hope we continue to get this kind of viewership all season long. It won't happen, but who knows? I hope it continues. Thank you so much. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We will see you again in week number nine. We are very quickly approaching double digits in this season already. Coming down to clutch time for some of these teams to save their season.